Well, good morning, Grace Hills. Hey, glad you're here this morning. Believe that God's got some good stuff. I, I genuinely mean that as I was, um, I shared with the team as we were um, in our morning meeting, is that I genuinely feel that, that there is some, um, some heaviness and some burdens that God wants to lift off of you this morning. Um, and I just want you to know as a church that we're praying for you and we're believing for you, for God to work in your life. Um, so we get started this morning. What I want to talk to you for a few minutes today um, as we're ending out this series about our responsibility that God wants to bring things into our lives, but we have a responsibility to walk in them, that they're just not automatic, but there are things that we're called to do to begin to walk in his blessings and, and his, um, in our life. And we talked about his peace and what we're called to do to receive his peace. And we talked about his direction, but I want to end out that series today. And what I want to talk about is this, is about God bringing increase into your life. God bringing increase in your life. And I want to talk about this uh, for three big reasons. And so I'll give you uh, cliff notes of where we're going to be going today if you want to know what we're going to be talking about. And so I'm going to put these on the screen and I, we're going to leave these up here for the day. This is where kind of an outlay of where we're going and how we're going to walk through this. And so number one, what I want you to know is today is we're going to talk about that it's okay to want God to bring increase into your life. Um, we're going to talk about this in a second, but there was, um, there, I think a lot of us have seen a desire for increase in our life come from a wrong place, or we've seen it in other people where they want God to bless them for wrong reasons, and it's pushed us to this idea um, where, where that it's not a good idea to ask God to have increase in your life. And we're going to talk about how that's okay today. And then secondly, we want to talk to you about how you have a part to play in receiving God's blessing in your life. You have a part to play. And, then, and the third part that I want you to understand today is that your responsibility is easier than you think. And I think a lot of times when it comes to things that where we have a responsibility, God has called us to do something, it, it feels like uh, when we first look at it, like it's this big challenging thing. What I want you to realize today is that it's not that hard and that God wants to work inside of your life. And the hope for today is we're going through this is that you will understand clearly Right? How to receive God's increase in your life and that it will radically change your future. And I'll, I'll just say this from my life, that God has worked in my life in so many ways where I say that is from God completely. That is nothing that I did on my own. But man, God has worked in my life and caused increase in my life. And, it, and it's so good to see where God has worked in my life. And my hope is this, is that we will be people where we see God's increase into our life to where we can be like Abraham, where the Bible talks about that he was blessed so that way he could be a blessing. See, the end the goal of this whole idea of God working in our lives and bringing increase into our lives is not just for us to, to, get, uh, to get fat with just blessings of God, but the idea is that we can make a difference because of what God has done in our lives. Amen? And I want us to be a church, and I want us to be people who say that God, that we, that God can trust us, that if he brings increase into our lives, that we know that he will then begin, that he can trust us, that we'll begin to work through our lives. Amen? My hope is that we'll be people like that. 
Now, I want to set the stage here and just say that there are areas, a multitude of areas that God can bring increase in your life. There is influence and wisdom, financially, favor, relational, career. Like, there is a multitude of ways and areas that God can work in your life and bring increase into your life. Today, what we are talking about is not the exact areas that God can bring increase into your life, but what we want to talk about is the principles of how you see it that apply across everything. Uh, see, God's ability to bless you is as diverse as we are. Like his multitude of ways that he can work and cause increase in your life. And but what we're gonna talk about today is how is our part to begin to see that in our life? Because we're in this series we're talking about. And the big idea is this, just genuinely, if you wanna know my heart, is that I don't want us to miss out on things that God wants to bring into our lives because we don't realize our responsibility to receive it. Amen? I think so many times we don't realize what we are called to do to receive. And so I wanna talk about this today. So number one is I want you to understand is this, is that it is okay, right, to want God to bring increase into your life. It is okay for, to want God to bring increase into your life. The enemy has this tactic that he uses across the board in so many different ways where he uses extremes and, and perversions to steer us away from the good things of God. I'll give you an example of this. So you think about relationships. Uh, for some of you, you have experienced relationships that were not right, where somebody has done you wrong, where, or you've seen it. Maybe even for some of you, you saw some relationships as a kid that were not right, and it steered you from away from wanting to engage deeply in relationships. Right, and what that is, is that the enemy has used people that have done wrong, people that have been in wrong relationships, people that have operated in relationships wrong, to pull you right, away from a God-given thing, which is good, godly relationships that'll help you in your life. And that's a good thing of God, right, that we, we should desire, but he's used these perversions and these, and these extremes to make you almost feel like I need to hide and not lean into this. And I would say it's the same way in this idea of wanting God's increase in our lives. We've all seen that desire practiced wrongly. Like, let's just be honest. Like we've seen some televangelists like that have used this idea completely wrong. Like that's the, that's the thing. We've seen people that have said these things that are completely wrong. I remember I went to a youth service when I was a teenager and it was like this big broad thing. And I remember there's this uh, youth pastor up there and um, his the whole point of his whole sermon was we're all gonna get together and we're gonna pray for God to bring me an Escalade. And then I believe that God's going to bring me an Escalade when we pray for this Escalade. Dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, right? And so we've seen some perversions, some wrong things like that. And that's not right. But at the same time where there has been things, it's not wrong to want God to bring increase into your life. And I would just challenge you and push on you a little bit and say this, that we have got to be people that don't let where people have practiced wrong things keep us from the good of God's life in our lives. Amen? Yeah. There's a prosperity gospel over here that God just is going to rain down $100 bill. That's not right. But what has happened sometimes with people is they've swung from this prosperity gospel all the way over here to a poverty gospel where God doesn't care about your life. And that's not right. We believe that God cares and that God does want to bring increase and in work inside of your life. One of the passages that's so helpful in this uh, in reminding us that it's okay to desire God's increase in our life is a, a, the story of a guy in the Bible named Jabez. So you may have heard this story. It's a, it's a really interesting story. It's found in 1 Chronicles 4. We're going to read that in just a second. 
And this is the only mention of this guy in the Bible. This is the only time the Bible cares to mention this guy. There's another time where they mention a place called Jabez, but this is the only time that it's about this guy named Jabez. And what's interesting is the Bible is going this long list of genealogies of this person beget this person beget this person. And then there's this pause. And there's this moment where they say, okay, in the middle of all these genealogies, we're gonna stop. And I'm going to tell you about this guy named Jabez. Now, in your Bibles, I'll just give you a study tool. When something seems out of place in the Bible, it's usually because it's of great importance and that the Bible is shifting story there for a minute to say, you need to pay attention to this. And so this story is one of those moments where we're talking in genealogies, we're going along, this person had this kid, this person was fathered by this person, and then hold on, let me tell you for a second about this guy named Jabez. And I want you to read this story with me. First Chronicles 4, 9, 13, only two verses on him. And it says this. It says, there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable. Everybody say honorable than any of his brothers. So we're going to stop here and say, the Bible says this is a guy that is something that we should seek after. He's an honorable person. This is the person that we esteem. This is somebody that we say is a good person. This is a right man. And then it goes on, and then it says this. Uh, it goes on, and it says this. Um, his mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. Now, it's interesting. His name Jabez literally uh, means like the one who, who causes pain. And, and you think about it, if your mom named you the one who causes me pain. <laughs> Talk about having a complex to start with, Right? This is, this is his life. And what's interesting is this, is that in, in Hebrew culture, your name defined much of your future. That was the idea, is that your, your title, your name described who you are. And so for him, he is going to live in this life of that I'm just the one who's here to cause pain. And so I love at the end here what it says. It says, he was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. He's the one whose life is defined by, hey, I'm the one who's supposed to cause pain. But he wasn't satisfied with that. And he went to God about it, which I would just pause. And this isn't the point of the sermon, but I would just say this to you. Maybe you have some things that have been spoken over you that have defined much of your future. And you feel like your future is defined by what people have said about you and what has been gone on in your past. And I would say, I would go to God with it like Jabez did and say, I don't want my future to be determined by what people have said about my past. Amen. Hmm. We'll go move on. And so this is what he said. Pass on to the next one. This was his prayer. He said, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted his request. Now, point today, we're not gonna go through this entire text, but what I want you to see is this, is that seeking God's increase in your life. He says, God, bless me. God, expand my territory. Be with me. Like he's asking God to, to expand him and to increase him. And I love that it starts off with that he is an honorable person. So I would tell you this, that it is, it's honorable. The Bible would even say, I'm gonna stop to teach you about how it's even honorable to say, God, I would like for you to bless me in my life. But we've all seen a, a desire, I think, like we've said before, for increase that isn't right. And so there's kind of like this contrast, like, okay, God's saying this guy's honorable, but I've seen some times where I know that isn't right. Where's the line? 
That's where I come to at a point of like, where's the line where what is a godly desire for increase that I want God to work in my life and bless me so I can be a blessing? And then where is the line of where I just know it ain't right? Like it just doesn't feel right. What is the line and what's the difference? And I would tell you is this, is that the answer is found in your motivation. The answer is found in your motivation. Here's the question to ask yourself that I would say is the big thing. If God caused increase in your life, if he did it today, would, your, would, it, um, would it draw you closer to God or would it lead you further away from him? If God caused increase in your life right now, would it draw you closer to him or would it lead you further away from him? Uh, let me give you an example. If God gave you wisdom in your life and began to give you wisdom for situations and begin to give you wisdom and insight, would it be a thing where it would lead you to pride and where you would become haughty and where you would begin to depend on yourself rather than God? Or would it lead you to a place where you wanted to be used by God more and lead people to him? There's a difference there. We'll do the easy one, the easy one to pick on. We'll talk about money, all right? If God blessed you financially today, would it lead you closer to him where you further his kingdom and where you wanna be greater used by him? Or would it lead you to a place where you would become more dependent upon yourself instead of him and a place where you would begin to use your wealth to do your own things versus coming to church and being a part of what he's called you to do and being a part of his kingdom? Would it lead you closer to him or would it lead you farther away from him? This is kind of what I would call the gut check question. Like we got to come to and say like, what would it do in my life? And it reveals our motivation. James says something similar in James 4, 3. He's talking about prayer and telling us the importance of our motivation. And he says this in James 4, 3. He says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because, get this, your motives are all wrong. He says, you want only what will give you pleasure. Now let me pause and say this. He's not saying that God doesn't want pleasure. Some people have read this and like, God doesn't, God wants you just to be a hermit where you don't enjoy anything and you got to live in a desert and eat beef jerky all the time. Like, like that's not God's desire. We see all throughout the Bible, like he, God wants you to be joyful and enjoy life and enjoy these things. But there's a difference here of what are you seeking? Are you seeking only what will give you pleasure? Or are you seeking the God who will give you pleasure? Does that make sense? In other words, I would say it this way, is your relationship with God, is it, is it transactional or is it relational? There's a difference there. I'll say this and I'll just kind of give you the, blunt, the bluntness of it. Here it is, is there is a difference between a gold digger and a spouse. <laughs> Something you didn't think you'd hear in church today. <laughs> right? What's the difference? On one side, it's, I'm going, I want the stuff so I'll have a relationship so I can get the stuff. And the other one is I want the relationship and out of that flows all that we have together. There's a difference. And I would say, what is our, when we have a desire for God to bless us and cause increase in our life across all these ways, is it out of a desire that I wanna know God and I wanna serve God and I wanna please God and these things I know will just begin to flow out of that? Or is it, I'm gonna have the relationship just so I can get the stuff? And there's a difference. Perfect illustration of this is the story of the prodigal son. 
which interestingly, um, I think James in this passage is actually alluding to. If you go into um, the Greek of this passage, there is a word that James uses in here that means like to spin freely. Only used five times in the New Testament. Um, One of them is here. The other two, two of the big times that is really prominent is in the story of the prodigal son. And I actually think that that James is alluding to that story in this when he's saying like the, the things that will only give you pleasure. Because in the story of the prodigal son, if you've read the story, The son asked for all of his inheritance, right? He wants all of these things. Why? So that he can leave his father and go do his own thing. What is he saying? I want only what will give me pleasure. I'm not seeking relationship and the benefits of what begin to flow from that. Does that make sense? See, James is saying, God is not blessing you with the increase you're asking for because why would he bless you with something that is gonna lead you away from him? I used to say it this way. Why would God bless you with something when all it's going to do is, when all you're going to do with it is put it before him? Hmm. It's okay to desire God's increase in your life, but the question once again is this. If God caused increase in your life, would it draw you closer to him or would it lead you farther away from him? Now, the reality is this. This is easy to say and it's easy for us to look at, but the reality is motivation is difficult to judge right? Like, let's just be honest. My motivation is difficult to judge. I, and I'll, I will even be more honest and say, I look at my motivation with rose-colored glasses. Anybody else? Like, I always look at my motivation. I'm like, I am so pure and so well-motivated. Like, and you, but you realize, like, when you really get to it, it's like, hmm, I'm not. So how do we begin to judge our motivation? Well, I would tell you this, and I think this might be helpful for you, is this. The testing ground for your motivation is what you're doing with what you have right now. The testing ground, if you, wanna, if you really want to know what your motivation is, it's what are you doing with what you have right now? Not what am I going to do when I get these things. What are you doing with what you have right now? And it shows you what your motivation is right now. See, increase does not change you. It just magnifies what is already there. It just magnifies what you already are. That's why they say uh, so many lottery winners, right? They say in a period of like three years, four years, like it's a huge number. I don't even know, but it's like something like 90% of them are already broke or something like that. Like it's already a big deal. And the reason why is increase doesn't change your, your habits and your life and your mentality, right? It just magnifies what's already there. That's why Jesus says it this way. He says the same exact thing in Luke 16, 10. He says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. He's saying what you're doing with what you got right now is showing who what your heart is. If you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. See, what you are doing with what you have now is an indicator of what you will do when you experience increase. I remember my dad saying this um, when I was a kid and he was trying to teach us this principle. And, he, and I remember when I was starting to date and things, he says, if you're not gonna treat a girl right when you're dating, you're not gonna treat her right when you're married because it's a heart issue. Let me say this to you teenagers, you teenage girls. The guy is not treating you right when you're dating. He's not gonna treat you right later. Maybe, maybe not just dating teenage girls, maybe you some adult ones. <laughs> important. It's a heart thing. He would tell me this. I remember when he would say, he says, if you're not tithing when you're not making much, you're not going to tithe when you make a whole lot. It's not an amount issue. It's a heart issue. See, what you're doing with what you have now 
reveals your heart. Reveals your heart. Which brings us to number two, which is this, is that you have a part to play in receiving God's blessing of increase in your life. You have a responsibility and a part to play. Your responsibility is this, and I think this is so helpful, is to become the type of person that God can increase by being faithful with what you have now. That's the part that you have to play. I, I said this in a sermon, I think, earlier this year or last year, and I just want to bring it back up because I thought it was so helpful, is this, is that God's ability, everybody say ability, to bless you is determined by your faithfulness with what you have now. Now, some of you hear that and you say, well, God is all powerful. Well, God is, God is mighty that he, we can't affect his ability to do something. Well, you can in the sense of this, is that if you are not the type of person that God can begin to bless and you're not being faithful with little, he cannot bless you with more because he knows that if he gives you more, it's just gonna destroy you. Your ability, God's ability to bless you is determined by, are you being faithful with what you have now? Is your heart in the right place where if he actually does give you increase in your life of something or wisdom or a favor, that it will lead you closer to him rather than farther away from him? What are, what are you doing with your influence now? Your influence. What are you doing with your career now? What are you doing with the, the power that you have now in your life? See, uh, ability is an interesting word, but it, it's so important to understand that we can have something to do with it. So do you want God to increase your life? Well, I would say, what are you doing with what you have now, with your increase? What are you doing with the influence you have? What are you doing with the influence you have? You have in, it's not, and I would even say this, sometimes we go, um, well, I don't have any influence. No, you have influence, just what are you doing with it? Uh, in your kids, in your friends, in your neighbors. You have influence. Are you being a good steward of it or are you not? There, it's not a, if I have influence, it's a binary choice of am I using it well or not? Uh, we talked about this this week in staff meeting. One of the things that we got together is we said, absolutely, like we wanna reach more people with the message of Jesus Christ. We wanna reach more people and see them find freedom. We wanna see more people have like the good things of God unlocked in their lives. But one of the things that we talked about this week was like, beyond reaching more people with that message, are we being good stewards with the people that God has brought us right now? That's the first thing. And we gotta do that in our lives. With your finances, are you being faithful with what God has given you right now? Simple question. With your relationships, are you that kind of person that God can bless with good relationships or are you not being faithful in the relationships that you have and God would almost be like, I'm not gonna go send this person for you to destroy that relationship for them? Hmm. What are you doing with what you got right now? Jesus teaches this same idea in Matthew 25 and he tells a story uh, of three servants. And all three received different amounts of money from their master to steward, and he was going to go away. And, and he's talking about this as it's the kingdom of God and that, that um, he's given us gifts and given us abilities and given us these things. And so it's kind of like an illustration here of what God has done in our lives. And so he uses this master that he has three servants, and he gives them all three different amounts, and he leaves. And when he comes back, he's going to see if they've been a good steward of what they had. And it's, Jesus uses this to teach us the importance of stewardship. He says this in Matthew 25, verse 19. He says, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. 
And the master was full of praise and said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now I love this part. He says, you have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate this together. Then it says on the next one that the servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. And the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. And then he, he says it again. He says, you have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then he goes on and he talks to the third servant. And he says, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering ones that you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. I love it. Sometimes Jesus is a little more blunt than we are. Like he just says it like it is. And then he says, then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Let me say that again. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Point of this story is this. Is... uh, What are you doing? What you are doing with what you have now matters. It matters. Jesus says, if you are faithful with what you have now, that God can entrust you with more, right? Your responsibility to receive God's increase in your life is simply to be faithful with what he's entrusted you with right now. Amen. Which brings us to number three. Third thing we want to talk about is this is that your responsibility is easier than you think. Your responsibility is easier than you think. See, I think far too often we feel like our responsibility is way too big. We don't know where to start. I don't even know how to begin and all of this. Um, But it's simple. I think it's kind of like investing for retirement. Right, if you're gonna invest in in your retirement and you look at what amount of money do I need when I'm 65, then that number will freak you out, right? Like that's a giant number that you look at. But then when you break it down to what they'll say is like, you know, 15, 20, 25%, you know, like whatever percentage that you buy into that you just got to be faithful in your, in your check now, do a little bit and invest it, that at the end, you're going to be surprised at where you get, that it builds into this bigger thing. And it's easier to look at, well, okay, what am I supposed to do right now versus the whole picture of where I got to get? And I would say this to you is I think it's a lot that way in the kingdom of God. So many times we're looking at the big end thing that we got to get to and God's just saying, just be faithful with what you got now. Be faithful with where you are now. And here's the two simple things that I would tell you as we're talking about being faithful with where you are now. Two simple things is this, is be faithful with what you have right now. And we talked about this last week, which is just making the next right decision. God has entrusted you with things, God has entrusted you with wisdom. God has entrusted you with favor. God has entrusted you with influence. God has entrusted you with kids. God has entrusted you with finance. God has entrusted you across the board with all these things. And you don't have to figure everything out tomorrow, but figure out the next right step. What does being faithful with what God has given me mean today? What does it mean with my marriage 
How am I faithful with my wife in marriage today? How am I faithful and a good steward of my kids today? How am I faithful in this way today? It's not this big, grandiose idea you gotta think of, but what is the simple thing? And then the second part I would tell you is this, is that you are responsible only for what God has given you. I think so many times we compare ourselves, like that is the biggest thing that I think is a destroyer of, of our spiritual lives is comparison. And we compare ourselves to everybody else and what everybody else has and what every other situation is and what other people are doing. And you get on Facebook and scroll and scroll and scroll and then you can beat yourself into a depression real quick feeling like you're just not doing the right things. And I would tell you is this, I love this story that Jesus told us. And he says, one servant got five, right? One servant got two, one servant got one and Jesus didn't come to the one who got two and said, hey, why didn't you do as good as the guy that had five? He said, no, just be faithful with what God's given you. Be faithful with what God's given you. You may not have everything that everybody else has, but are you being faithful with what God has given you in your life? And here's what happens. As you are faithful with what you have now, your heart is in a place where God can trust you with more. And so here would be my challenge to you. Stop thinking of increase in your future as a future issue, right? We think about it, so what I'm gonna do in the future and realize that it is a stewardship issue today. Stewardship issue today. And I, I genuinely believe that God wants to bless you. I, I believe he sees us as Abraham where he wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. And when we get to the place where he can, that he can work in our lives. I, I, I wasn't planning on sharing this story, but I'll share this one um, today. Casey had a cool illustration that she said, hey, that would be a good sermon illustration. And so we're going to share it today. So this one's a good Casey one. But we were driving in the car the other day, and uh, we were talking about how much we love um, our kid Graham. And, um, and we were talking about how he's just such a good kid. And so many times, I mean, he's got his moments, but like, he's just such a good kid. And there's so many times that like, he just does well. And we're like, we just want to like, go buy him ice cream or do something for him. Like, but he's five months old, so I can't give him ice cream yet. And even though I've tried, Casey gets me down. Um, <laughs> but like, we want to do this, you know, like we, our heart is on to do it. And we were talking about, when we started talking, we were in the car and we were just talking. We were like, when he gets this old, we're going to do this for him. And when he gets this old, we're going to do this for him. And when he gets to this point, we're going to do this for him. And I, I was thinking, and she was like, you know, like, I feel like that's our, God's heart towards us. That he looks at us and he's like, oh, I can't wait till they can handle this. Because when they can handle this, then I can give them this. I can't wait till they get their heart in the place where I can give them this. And I want to do this for them. And I would say, I think so many of us have the wrong mentality of God where we think God is just trying to figure out all the ways that he can keep us nailed down and all the ways that he can control us and all the ways that he can pull things and how he's really greedy. And he'll only, but I tell you, God's heart for you is a good father who says, oh, I want to bless you. I want to, I want to give this to you. But back to what we said earlier, your ability to be, for him to be able to do it, sometimes dependent on us growing to the point to where if he gives it to us, it's a blessing and not a curse. And that's our responsibility, to walk into a place to where we say, hmm, if God gives me that, it's gonna lead me closer to him, not pull me farther away. And I think that's the question for you today. It's a little bit a harder one, 
But I say it today because my heart is that I want to see God work in your life. Genuinely. I want to see God bless you. I want to see God do immeasurable things in your life, in you and through you, and that we become people that are known for our generosity of our time and our effort and of our, of our favor and our influence and everything that we have, that we are generous. But where it becomes and where it starts is us saying, hmm, I'm being a steward with what I have now. And what that teaches me is how to get my heart to the right place so that God can work through me more. Amen? So question for you today, where's your heart? Where's your heart? God wants to bless you. He's a dad sitting there saying, hmm, can't wait till they get there and I'm gonna get them some ice cream. But we gotta get our hearts in the right place. Let's do that. Amen? Amen. Bow your head, let me pray for you today. God, we thank you this morning that you are that you are a God who loves us, a God who wants to work in our lives, God who wants to God who wants to bring increase into us. God, I pray that the places in our lives that may not quite be right the places that are, uh, maybe we got some wrong motivations, the places where maybe we're not a good steward of today, that you will highlight that in our lives and that you will shape us and mold us into the people that you can use. God, I pray that this sermon today will come across in our hearts as a, as a pointer to the goodness of God, not as a pointer to the... Um, not as a pointer of hard things or, or challenges, but of a pointer of realizing how good you are and how if we walk in you, what you can do in our lives. So we thank you for that this morning. Work in our hearts. Work in our hearts. Should you continue to have your heads bowed, eyes closed? I'm just gonna quiet for a second. I wanna give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak to you. Where are the places in your life today that you would say, hmm, I need to be a better steward here? In your marriage, in your influence, your career, in your finances, in your job, relationships. Don't look at everything today, but what is the one place today Holy Spirit's highlighting in your heart? God, we pray that we'll listen to you. we'll change we'll put you first and things will begin to change in Jesus name we pray everybody said